Hi, Ashley Lance here of Cyclone Bicycle Supply, hosting the Sisters of Spin podcast. Uh, joining me today, I have three amazing women in the bicycling industry. I have over here to my right, uh, Beverly Lucas of Night Composite. She's the CEO and founder. We also are joined today in studio by Jude Gerace. She is a Portland-based wheel-building studio called Sugar Wheelworks. And then on the phone, we also have Katie Compton, 12-time U.S. World Cross champion and owner of some 120-odd UCI titles. Uh, just amazing. Thank you, guys, ladies, so much for being here today and joining us. We're just so excited to have you. Thank you for Thanks, hosting us. It was great. Yeah, Thanks. thank you. I think we're going to start by just doing a little intro on each one of you. Bev, do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, um, I have the world's most famous dodgy accent. I'm uh, British and very, very proud to be so. <laughs> My second home is, uh, is Bend, Oregon. I've been in the bicycle industry basically since I was nine, and uh, that was basically slave labor at my granddad's bike shop, um, repairing tubulars when nobody else wanted to. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, the bike industry is, is something that I always wanted to, um, to work in, um, not least, you know, despite my dad wanting to, me to be a, a construction engineer, which I failed him miserably because I basically <laughs> quit that and went straight into the bike industry again. And um, I've been fortunate to work with some really amazing people, um, including the guys at Felt Bicycles and at MB Composites, where I met my business partner, Jim. I'd like to say we're killing it, because we are. <laughs> and uh, I think we're destined to be the, uh, the next big performance wheel company, and um, that is me. <laughs> Thanks, Bev. Jude, why don't you tell us more about, like, how you got here into the, in the bicycling industry? Um, I, uh, I started uh, maybe a little bit more homegrown growing up in Chicago, Illinois, and I moved out to Oregon, I don't know, maybe about 15 years ago and uh, started doing some traveling with my bike. And on one of my long trips through Patagonia, decided that uh, the industry was uh, someplace that I wanted to stay. As I was figuring out what my home in the industry would be, I decided uh, wheel building was something I really enjoyed. And I I think you can only make those decisions when you're in your 20s and um, <laughs> you have a lot of room for uh, growth and failure. Yeah, so I came back to uh, Portland and I decided uh, to be a wheel builder. And I wasn't sure what that meant, but I uh, opened up a small studio, 64 square feet in southeast Portland, um, remembering that uh, many of our customers had to wait in the hallway. Um, and... Yeah, and then I really got to sink my teeth into uh, wheel building and refining the art and science of that. And I get to work with really great companies uh, like Night Composites. And uh, and actually, uh, when I was first beginning, uh, Bev really did a, uh, a great job of helping me and being uh, that role model that I needed in the industry. So it was Fantastic. pretty special to be here today. Nice. I actually just wanted a free t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. You can't blame you. Great shirt. She's a phenomenal. Uh, she, I mean, she's she's an amazing person and a phenomenal wheel builder, and uh, mm. it is quite a craft for sure. Well, ladies, let's uh, let's hear from Katie. Katie, tell us about you. How did you get where you are? What was your lead into all of this mess? Um, honestly, it's been. I feel like it's been a lifetime in the making. Um, I started riding when I was a little kid with my dad, and I started racing. I think when I was eight eight, nine, or ten, something like that, doing street sprints. 
My dad is a bike racer. He was official. Um, he put on bike races. He ran the bike team. So he was really involved in bike racing. And um, he got me on the bike at an early age. And I just really enjoyed it. Um, I think I, I was naturally good at it, too, which helped. Um, from there, I went to the velodrome in Chexertown, PA. And I uh, started racing track at, like, 12, I think. And then just really focused on track and road racing. I was a crit racer when I was a junior. Um, I qualified for Junior Worlds um, on the road when I was a junior and, and did that. And it was pretty serious on bike racing. Um, and then got into mountain biking, um, kind of late high school years into college. And I've definitely had some ups and downs with wanting to quit bike racing off and on. I think I've quit two or three times right now. <laughs> um, but I seem to always come back to it. I really enjoy it. I like bike racing. You know, it's definitely not an easy sport to be involved with. Um, but I've been in it since, you know, heavily since I was 12. Um, and then racing nationally, and um, I'm still doing it. I'm 37 now, and I'm still enjoying it. I definitely had a couple, I'd say the last two or three years have been a struggle, but um, I'm finally feeling strong again, riding well, enjoying the bike race. I think beyond that, though, what you don't talk about a lot is your what a role you play in R&D in the industry as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been in the industry for a long time. I've definitely ridden a variety of bikes, um, equipment. Um, you know, I started racing on with toe clips and straps and six speed or 12 speed with down tube shifters. Like, that was my first bike. Um, I remember when STI was first put out, going from down tube shifters to like shifting on your handlebars, how cool that was. Um, <laughs> so, I've kind of, I've raced and ridden a lot of bikes and just stuff a lot of different geometries and I definitely like that part of the, the bike world because I think it's constantly evolving and the progression with technology I mean there's stuff coming out every year that's like the new latest and greatest and you want it you want it you want to buy it you want you want new bike stuff that, that functions well and it's lightweight um, and just feels fast so I like being part of that I definitely I help track develop their new cross bikes um, I have to give them feedback with product development and uh that's been a really um, fun part um, to kind of go along with the bike racing. How, what is what is the impact of women in the industry, especially with you three being at the top level of manufacturing, innovation, and R and D? Um, if I can speak to that. Um... You know, it's kind of interesting because one of the questions that, you know, you always find on any interview is, what is it like to be in a woman in, in a man's world? And I think, you know, the three of us can probably all agree on that. Um, personally, I have never um, had an issue with it ever. You know, I mean, I've, I've actually been embraced as a woman in the industry. And I think part of that is... Um, you know, is is your attitude and your determination to to make the best products, to you not be second best to anybody, and 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 to make your voice heard as a woman. And I think that goes for 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 blokes as well. You know, it's not just a woman thing. You know, if you're going to make something spectacular, then you've got to be able to talk about it and research it. And um, and I don't think that there's any kind of like gender specific thing about that. Um, but certainly what I find, um, you know, having worked with Katie before, worked with Jude before, is like, you know, the number one thing that, um, that you need to have as a, as a good manufacturer and as any good R&D person is that you have to be prepared to listen to what people want. And um, that doesn't always happen, not just in the bike industry, but in industry in general. You know, there's kind of like a, a preconceived idea of what the market needs 
and you fulfil to that. Um, I think the difference certainly um, where myself and, and my colleagues at NIDA are concerned is that we're not just going to make something for the sake of making something, you know. Um, make something good. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I have a philosophy that, you know, no one single opinion is correct. Um, and I like to talk to a variety of different people. And if you go just to the average person in the bike industry, which I think is still 97% male, then you're only going to get that male perception. And it doesn't always gel that that's what the industry or the market at, at large needs, um, specifically because half the market is female anyway, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, whether it's male or female, um, it's important to listen to your audience and to do a lot of research and to talk to people like Katie and Jude and, and say, you know, what, what do people want? What do you need? You know, what, do, what can we do to make you faster or, or, you know, perform better or have more energy or whatever, you know, and... Um, yeah. Again, I, I don't think that's a, a female-specific role. I think it's something that everybody should do regardless. So, yeah. You know, I echo a lot of the same uh, sentiments that Bev does in, in saying that, you know, when I started Sugar, uh, then Epic, I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to be a woman in this industry. Um, or, you know, I got pigeonholed into a female-specific wheel, wheel builder, if you can believe that. And um, I think my the big thing that I bring to the industry is, no, I'm just a wheel builder. I mean, I don't need that pre-qualification that I'm a female. Um, I'm really good at what I do. I research uh, when I don't know the answer. And, um, you know... It it doesn't, you know. It's very interesting how how that how people want to preface that. And I see a lot of the retail side of things. And there are times where where it is challenging, um, where someone might um, be maybe offer me a little. I don't really know how to say this, but you know where where I feel like maybe my gender does play a role in that. But those are those are such small instances and. Um, and you just kind of got to forget about those people that the naysayers and the people that aren't on board because they've got their own issues going on. Yeah. I have been uh, shown nothing but the utmost respect, certainly by my colleagues and by my vendors and people in the industry. And I have uh, that to be grateful for, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Katie? How about in the racing world? What is it like being at the top level of what you do? Um, I think my experience is slightly different because I think as a bike racer mainly, we still have that inequality, and it, I definitely feel like I'm a, a women's bike racer in a man's world, um, and I hate saying that because I just, I want equality, I want to have the same respect, but it's definitely, I still feel like the women are still fighting for that from the bike racer's perspective. Like, I get respect and I've earned my respect, but I don't earn my respect until I prove that I, I'm worth getting it. Like, I, that I have the knowledge, I know what I'm talking about with, you know, bike issues or equipment. Like, that's when I start getting their respect. But, like, they don't initially have it for me until I explain something or I say, like, well, this doesn't work because of this. So I, I, I definitely think it's still struggle as a bike racer perspective, especially just on the media respect, the sponsorship level, um, the, the prize money, and, like, the attention level, too. But I think we're making progress. It's just... It's not as quickly as, as I'd like. Let's talk women-specific products. How much is real R&D and how much is just pink and shrink marketing? Oh, gosh. I like how everybody lives with me. <laughs> <laughs> Beth, um, start us off. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? Um, obviously, in the wheel market, um, I think I've sold 
one set of wheels in my entire career where it was a woman who requested pink decals, which, <laughs> which, which kind of says a lot. You know, if I can go back to my felt days, um, felt were actually, and, you know, kudos to, to Bill During and Jeff Socek for, for bringing this out, but felt um, were one of the first, if not the first, uh, companies who embrace real women-specific design. And I was just talking uh, at dinner about this uh, this experience uh, just last night, and Jeff Socek uh, is one of the best engineers I've ever met in my life. And he was um, the kind of guy who was so determined to get it right um, for women. Um, we worked very, very close together on, on the geometry, and he wasn't a believer in just shrinking the bike or, or whatever. I mean, he was a huge um, proponent of 650C wheels back in the day because he said, basically, if you're having a 47-centimeter frame on a 700C wheel, um, it doesn't work. It's not going it's gonna, to it's gonna ride like like a tandem, basically, but for one person. Um, but Jeff did it right, and when everybody was going, oh, you know, you need 700C wheels because it's just more consistent with the rest of the industry, Jeff was the guy that banged his fist on the desk and said, no way, we're going to do it right or not at all. So, you know, my experience with, with WSD has been nothing but good. Do you feel like that's still carried forward now, that people are continuing with that trend? You know, I... There was a time where 650 wheels particularly were in every single bike manufacturer's lineup. Um, it's very, very rare to find it now. Um, I think, you know, what uh, what bike manufacturers have done more so, and, and again, it, it's, it's a lot to do with dollars and cents as well, um, is that they've... They've introduced a, a better performing geometry. It's still going to be a slow bike um, for the most part on a small frame um, because the wheelbase is so long. Um, but no, a 650 has pretty much gone away now, I think. And no, it's so hard to, uh, to build wheels um, to have options with 650C. Um, so we're hoping that, um, or I'm at least hoping that there will be a resurgence of bikes that are very specific to uh, two women that perform well, but that will also have wheel and uh, rim options available for women. Because uh, what's coming in on, the, on some of the stock wheels is not as... Um, it's not you there's there's no options in the aftermarket to you know increase speed or stability or some of the other things that we can do through wheels yeah. so okay Katie what do you think are you seeing it kind of trickle down from the professional level to the consumer level in terms of bikes being created for women um, I am I am I think there's definitely more um technology involved in that. There's also an increase of women just in the industry, in the bike companies that are saying, like, this is what we need and people are listening. Um, there's also a big market for it, too, because women are starting to buy more bikes. Um, I think the issue with the 650B wheels is, um, like, the bike, um, the geometry fits better, but it doesn't roll as fast as, as 700C wheels. Um, and that's kind of an issue with why people want the bigger wheels again. It's like the bike not, might, may not fit as well or handles well, but it just rolls faster. So you kind of have to, you know, keep up with everybody else by riding, you know, 700C wheels. Um, I kind of find that when I rode the 29er, because I had a 29er mountain bike as well as a 650B, and I love my 650B. I, it handled great. It fit great. Like, I really enjoyed it, but I couldn't keep up on the downhills. Like, I really struggled. Um to keep up with 29ers on the downhills, um, unless I had a triple J 
chain ring setup or double chain ring setup where I had enough gear. Um, I was spun out and pedaling and I couldn't keep up. And I'm a big girl. Like, I don't usually get dropped from downhill. (laughs) (laughs) I wish Um, I had that problem on the downhill. (laughs) Yeah. So, so that was kind of my first end. And I actually sold my 650B and bought a 29er again just because it's like, I just need bigger wheels, especially in Colorado. It's one thing if you're riding in, you know, super twisty, turny, kind of technical single track, whatever. But um, Colorado, you need big wheels. And so I, I think a lot of women in the bike industry is kind of, have kind of moved away from that just because I think for a road bike, it, it definitely makes things easier, like with matching parts and being able to buy tubes and tires and such for a 700G bike. Um, but uh, I think the industry is definitely changing. It's just a matter of um, making sure that women still get parts that are light and that are durable and they're nice carbon fiber. They're not just like small aluminum heavy parts that nobody wants to ride. Uh, that's a great lead into our next question. Does the industry dumb down products for women? I definitely think that. Like, I mean, my girlfriends and my riding um, group, we've all been in the bike world for a long time and we value light stuff, light, nice equipment. And there's no reason why a woman should be riding a heavy aluminum bike with aluminum bars and like just heavy equipment just because it's women specific. Women specific needs to fit and it needs to be light and it needs to be just as sexy as, you know, I would say the, the unisex or the men's, um, um, equipment. Um, I feel like we should move away from just like women specific or men. It should just be a size base. Like if you need smaller bars, you need a smaller bike, you need a shorter stem, you need light stuff. Like it should just be a size measurement instead of, um, you know, pink it and shrink it or, you know, a heavy, heavy uh, bike part. Yeah, I'm, I, I totally back that up, Katie, because some... Um... You know, I mean, obviously everybody has their own opinion, but, you know, I've always ridden black bikes, and I wanted a matte black bike before even Jim Felt thought about doing matte black bikes, you know, and, and that was me, and it was just a, and then it was just a color thing, you know, but um, but even now, you know, I, I look through specs, and, you know, I've, I've done a lot of product management for a lot of people in, in, my, in my career, and, you know, still I, I look on websites now for different manufacturers, and I go, God, why does it stop at Ultegro? Why does it stop at this? Or, you know, it just drives me absolutely insane that bike companies, I'm, I'm probably going to lose some friends here, but um, bike companies just don't have the balls to, um, to spec a DI2 bike, you know, Dura's DI2 bike for a woman or a campy super record, if people are still looking for super record, I don't know, but... You know, I know certainly, um, you know, when, when I owned a bike shop, you know, the amount of women that, um, well, and men for that matter, who, you know, we basically had to spec out a frame, you know, pick your frame and then we'll pick our components. And, you know, I was selling $10,000 bikes to, to women and to men who couldn't find it normally on a standard spec or, you know, they, they, they didn't want just the norm. They wanted the best stuff. And, you know, I'm a working class mom and so I can't always afford the best stuff but um, I know there's a lot of women out there who who want it and and I'm no different you know Uh, I I, I want the lightest I want the stiffest I want the the best stuff that I can possibly get and uh, I think more bike manufacturers need to actually acknowledge that and 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 have the cojones to to build the best specs you know the same as the guys because we're no different I I agree. Like, I, what gets me is, like, I think more women would be on bikes and enjoy riding bikes if they had a light, fast bike like the guys have. 
Like yeah. women are smaller in general. We're lighter. We don't produce enough power. We don't have the muscle mass. Um, so, like, why would you give us a bike that weighs 25 pounds when the guys are riding a 17-pound bike with all the latest, greatest stuff? It's like the women need the light, really high-end, great stuff. It'll make their ride experience more enjoyable. And I think they'll buy more product, more bikes if they want to ride their bike. And it's fun and it's light and it feels good. So, so true, Katie. And I, um, I get to see it from the consumer standpoint, except that I'm interacting with uh, women coming to purchase upgrades to their bikes. And um, I actually see a, a slightly different angle of this in that some women that I help have a hard time justifying the bigger upgrade to their bike because they feel that they're not quite as worthy for that upgrade. And I find that to be a very interesting dynamic as well, because you get a lot of men that come to the shop who maybe don't do as much riding as this, you know, a particular woman does. And, um, they're, you know, shooting straight for the top shelf on wheels. So... They have more you coffee know. stops and yeah. more, more bar buddies, I think. <laughs> yeah, they're not willing to do, you know, they can't, they can't take the weight off themselves. They're going to take it off their, off their uh, wheels for sure. Kind of wrapping up here, you are all so dedicated to your craft, to your industry, to your sport. Um, and I just so admire that about you guys. Oh, thank you. You know, not, not wanting to speak for everybody, but... Um, you know, we've all been in this um, godforsaken industry a bloody long time, and there's a reason that we stick at it. Um, you know, Katie, uh, you know, I, I, I absolutely hold her in such high esteem just for her grit and determination because she's been doing this for so long and she's still killing everybody, you know. And so it's, Thank you. <laughs> I, I tip my hat to you, Katie, for sure. And, um, you know, uh, to, to keep at that kind of level in the sport as, um, as, a, as a racer is just absolutely incredible, you know. I think all three of us would probably meet again in another 10 years and we're still doing what we're doing, albeit Katie might be coaching or whatever. <laughs> if yeah, you're still I, racing, then I'm going to be I believe in you, Katie. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely not <laughs> be racing going. 10 years You'll from now. Like, I'll be, I might be racing masters like here and there, but definitely not be racing elite. <laughs> yeah, that's asking too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I can I can certainly uh, echo a lot of those same sentiments and, and just kind of add to this that I think for, for me, what's next in the industry is um, I really want to work on um, this level of empowering uh, women who have this idea of doing something in the industry and helping them um, create the business plan. I mean, running a business is completely different than refining a craft. And I think that is very intimidating. And I do think we need more female representation. And I think it takes um, sometimes like, you know, going hand in hand with a sister and showing her that, you know, it's possible. It does take a lot of hard work. But um, but yeah, I would love to see more female representation in this industry. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would too, for sure. Thank you, ladies, so much for being here today. It has been such a pleasure to speak with all of you. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. This episode of Industry Spin was produced by Cyclone Bicycle, supplying independent bicycle retailers since 2003. This episode, The Sisters of Spin, was recorded and edited by the Sprocket Podcast at Sugar Wheelworks in Portland, Oregon. Thanks for listening.